podcast is intended for information on educational purposes only, not for the purpose of rendering medical advice. As always, information should be pulled from multiple credible sources. Cross reference wormlet your almost accurate hypothesis. Evans can support always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any question regarding a medical condition. <gasps> this is the actual PT podcast, where actual problems meet actual evidence, producing actual results. And your hosts, Troy Lind and Taylor Flocken. Howdy, 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 actual PT Nation. Give the people a warm welcome, Troy, to episode number two. Oh, a big happy shalom from Denver, Colorado, Mr. Flocken. Oh, now, Troy, take it to the next level and tell me what exactly it is we're talking about today. Yes, so today we are tackling the levels of evidence. This is arguably one of the most important topics that we're going to cover possibly of all time on this podcast. It is a topic that allows you to break down and analyze different academic journals, uh, articles, systematic reviews, and all else to decide for yourself as the listener if what you're reading is really reliable or not. Exactly, exactly right. Now, a quick forewarning, everybody. As important as this topic is, it's pretty dense. And it can be a little boring, so we promise to do our best to make it as spicy and interesting as possible. And we also try and maybe break it down a little bit so it's a little easier to understand. And now, one of the things you're going to notice with all the different types of evidence is that the higher level studies do two things. What are they, Troy? Yes, yes. So understanding levels of evidence allows you to eliminate bias, which may detract from understanding a disease, a treatment, or a medical phenomenon properly. And the second thing is, it also allows generalization of studies to provide a clearer picture of the true scope of how these diseases, treatments, medical phenomena, etc. work or exist in a population. Spot on, spot on. So let's just go ahead and jump right into the meat of our topic today. There are five official levels of evidence. And there's a couple of others that don't quite fit into the five that we're going to be talking about. So the first one of those, we're going to call it the basement level of all evidence in medical research. And it doesn't even have a number, okay? And this is going to be animal studies as well as what's called in vitro studies. Now, in vitro studies are just studies that are looking at cells and other microscopic things. Now, Obviously, cells and animals, you know, they can sometimes be a little pretty similar to people, but they don't really necessarily give us a good cause and effect relationship for how different things affects people. So now, Troy, why don't you go ahead and jump in and tell people about level five evidence? Yes, sir. So level five evidence deals with expert opinion. Okay, now it can be easy to get bogged down with some of it. So I'm going to explain this stuff in terms of whiskey, something that's uh, near and dear to my heart, okay, Mr. Flocken? <laughs> yes. So imagine for a second you have a whiskey connoisseur, and this connoisseur walks into a local distillery, okay, which, you know, he's trying to buy local like we all should at these uh, try, uh, trying times, if you will, in a very small town, okay? So he walks into a distillery in a small town with an old, very experienced distiller that works there. 
And in this distillery, the whiskey connoisseur tries a glass of their house special on the rocks. So this whiskey makes the critic, or connoisseur if you will, swoon. Swoons to the point that he writes a case study on this being the best whiskey this side of the Mississippi. All right? So this, of course, is his professional opinion, being that he is, of course, a whiskey connoisseur. He has tested thousands and thousands of whiskeys, and this one appears to be the best to him. The issue of this, though, is that this single glass of whiskey may, in fact, not be the best at all. It may, be, it may be that some whiskeys taste better to other people, such as flavored whiskeys, rye whiskey, scotch, uh, scotch whiskey, Irish whiskey, single malt whiskey, etc. There's so many different kinds. Or it could be that he has simply not tasted all. So he's only tasted uh, all of one type of whiskey. So he really cannot be 100% sure at all that it is the best whiskey out there. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Now, if you're like me, I do better with real-world examples. So my example is just imagine we have a specialist, okay, a doctor, PT, whatever you want it to be. And they happen to have some anecdotal or personal experiences with a method of treating back pain. And they felt it was really beneficial. But since it was only through him and his eyes, his technique may not be able to be successfully done by other specialists. Or maybe his technique is not generalizable to all people with back pain. All it is is his own professional opinion based off what he knows and what he has seen. Okay, so also follow falling in this number five category under professional opinion is case studies. And case studies is just a unique patient who has a unique presentation of symptoms, or it could be a disease that just hasn't really been seen or studied before. So for my back pain example, just imagine that a particular uh, incident of low back pain presents with something really weird at the same time, like a purple tongue or I don't know, I don't know, just something really weird, just basically a unique case. Or, listen to me now, a weird kind of whiskey, <laughs> like a vodka-flavored whiskey, or even maybe a sour cream and onion-flavored whiskey. Am I right, Mr. Flocken? Uh, yeah, 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 or a weird whiskey, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And now I think we are ready for level four evidence, Taylor. So level four evidence is going to have to deal with two main things. The number one thing is case study, is a case series. Sorry. These are basically just a collection of case studies with similar stories. So imagine a whole bunch of little distilleries started making honey whiskey. It just describes each and every one of those different honey whiskeys without making any conclusion about the milk. Now the second thing for level 4 evidence revolves around essentially a low quality version of what's called case control studies. Case control studies are all about finding relationships between different things. One popular example of this is a, is a long-running analysis of women's health that started in 1976. This study investigates the potential long-term consequences of using oral contraceptives. Absolutely, absolutely. And another example, one of the larger ones, and this is one of the largest ones ever done as well, had to do with connecting smoking with lung cancer. 
You see, one of the strengths of these studies is that they don't really take all that many people or researchers to do the actual research. And you can also do what's called retrospective analysis. So retro means past. So basically, we can see how a common exposure to something can lead to an increase in a certain outcome. Now, since these studies don't take all that much manpower to do, they usually try to aim for a large number of peoples to make it more generalizable to society as a whole. But beware, correlation does not equal causation. I'm sure you've heard that before. And a funny example, a funny example of one that I saw recently had the divorce rate in the state of Maine being almost directly correlated, like the graphs are literally just spot on with each other, with the consumption, with the United States consumption of margarine. Now, the two of these, they're obviously completely unrelated at all, but the numbers are uh, suspiciously close. Hmm. Yes, yes. Too close, Taylor. Too close. <laughs> but yes, and in, uh, in level four, these case controls are considered to be of really low quality. So be thinking kind of small numbers or a poor selection criteria for who they include in the study. But it's these lower quality studies that helps us formulate what to further evaluate and study in the future. Yes, sir. So level three is really where things start picking up steam, all right? And there are two basic types of level three evidence. Tell the people, Troy. Yes, yes. So one is pretty easy, and it is where we first hear about systematic reviews, okay? A systematic review basically combines a bunch of really similar studies so that they, are, so that they have a larger sample size of people or patients involved. By combining them, we can get a better picture of what is actually going on here. In level three evidence, the first thing to understand is that there are systematic reviews of the case control studies we just talked about which can be combined as long as they are similar to one another. The second part to understand is higher quality case control studies. When you hear higher quality, you should be thinking uh, more people in the study and stricter rules for who is included in the study versus who isn't included. And these systematic reviews can also include the higher quality case control studies that you just mentioned. I think the good people are ready for level two, Mr. Flocken. Oh, I agree. I agree. And level two is where we really start getting the higher quality evidence, okay? These are going to include studies that allow us to start kind of start drawing some conclusions about some stuff, all right? Specifically, level two evidence is going to include cohort studies and lower quality randomized control trials. And by lower quality, we mean a smaller sample size, improper randomization procedures, a poor selection process, and a poor follow-up with how this treatment affected people months or years later. And Troy, before we jump into the cohort, tell the people how exactly a randomized control trial works. Yes, of course, I can do that for you real quick, Mr. Flocken. So let's break down the control aspect. So there's going to be two groups we split the participants up into. A control group that is either receiving a certain treatment or a problem, or a placebo. And a placebo is basically something that makes a person think they're receiving a treatment when they aren't really. Think like a sugar pill in a drug trial is a great example. 
Right, right, right. Yes, it is. And the second part to randomized control trial is the randomization portion. Here, all the participants are going to be randomly assigned to either the treatment group or the control group. And the point of all of this is to find the real or true result of what happens to someone with a condition when they have this specific treatment. If it was not randomized, the researcher could introduce his bias, intentional or not, into the study. And this would really keep us from finding the truth. So now let's jump into the other half of level two evidence, cohort studies. Yes, sir. So cohort studies are what we call prospective studies, meaning they look into the future. Basically, they involve following a group of people with a disease or a condition for a set period of time and then comparing those people to others not in the study to see what extra challenges or deficits they may have. And cohort studies, they allow us to make recommendations to try and make the life of those who have said issues easier. And of course, level two evidence also includes systematic reviews of these lower quality randomized control trials as well as the cohort studies. Mr. Flocken, I think I think we finally reached I think we finally reached a climax, if you will, of uh, what this episode's about. Oh, absolutely. I uh, I'm definitely feeling the same thing, Mr. Troy. I believe that the people they're finally ready. <laughs> so this is level one evidence, ladies and gentlemen. Level one evidence includes higher quality randomized control trials. These bad boys are the best of the best of the best, okay? They're the green berets of evidence, if you will. They have larger sample sizes of participants, which are carefully selected using very strict qualifications. They are randomized, leaving no chance of bias at all, and a decent portion of the participants are even followed up with months or even years after the treatment. Boy, let me tell you, these studies are truly something of beauty because they allow us to get the closest we possibly can to the truth. And because so much go into these things, they are very expensive, they are labor-intensive, and not only that, they take a ton of time to complete. And because they are so intense, researchers like to save these bad boys for the bigger, more common issues or new breakthrough treatments. And that really is the goal of all of those lower level evidence studies that we were talking about earlier in the show. You know, we use those to help us figure out what are the most important things we need to try and figure out. Now, just like we had a basement that had no number, there is something else, a ceiling, if you will. That also has no number. Give it to us, Troy. Yes. So there are clinical practice guidelines, or CPGs for short. Now, these are more common in medicine, but physical therapy is putting their own out there too. The basic goal of these are to look at all of the research available and synthesize it into the best possible recommendations for practice. They're also graded A through F, so clinicians like you and me there, Mr. Flocken, are able mm. to understand what has the best and most reliable evidence behind it so that they are able to treat their patients. Absolutely, absolutely. And these CPGs 
are usually put together by the professional organizations governing each each separate profession. Now, in the physical therapy world in America, that organization is the APTA, the American Physical Therapy Association. Now, like with anything, we've only talked today about the levels of evidence, all right? This looks at the design of studies and how powerful said designs can be in helping us understand a disease or treatment. Something we really did not discuss today was how to look at studies, looking for weaknesses or flaws. You know, just because a study is a randomized control trial, that doesn't mean it gives us the absolute picture of how something affects a disease or condition. And bias is a feature of being human. It's really hard to keep out of research. You know, bias, you know, a long time ago was really helpful for, you know, trying to survive out there as a cave person in the wild. But today it's a lot less useful in science and trying to understand our bodies as well as the world. So with all of that said, we've talked a lot today, okay? We took you listeners to a whole bunch of really far out there places with the levels of evidence. And I think we need a really good summary of the show. Give us the tidbits, brother. I agree, Mr. Flock, and I agree. So as you guys well know by now, my mind works at a very simple, low-key frequency, if you will, okay? So to summarize real quick, there are five main types of evidence that can be published, and these range from one, which is the very best, as we said, to five a.k.a. sources you don't exactly want to hang your hat on. So it is extremely crucial to gather as much evidence as possible from the higher levels of evidence out there so you can have the best possible understanding of the topic and the best possible picture of what it actually is. So when in doubt, systematic review it out, okay, ladies and gentlemen, and always strive for that level one evidence. Wow, 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 wow. That was... Perfect. I am. Thank perfect, you, Troy. <laughs> oh, I think we well established that today using uh, some uh, level one evidence. You know, randomized control trials, right? Mm-hmm. That, is that how you? Uh, that's, that's how, how you uh, determine that. That's how you ascertain that information. That's how you get perfect, Mister Fuck. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, thank you, Troy, and thank you to all of our listeners out there. If you liked what you heard today, or or. If you absolutely hated it, let us know. All right, rate us, comment, ask us questions. We'll do our best to respond to you. Please do. And also a special thank you to our producer, Mohamed Khalid, for making us sound pretty good. And with that, I'm Troy Lind. Oh, and I'm Taylor Flocken. And don't forget to always always stay classy. Actual PT Nation. <laughs> Such a cheesy sign off. <laughs>